Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just a kid from the neighborhood We're all kids from a neighborhood Take me back to 96 I fall asleep with the radio on Turn my pillow to the fresh side I fall asleep, oh sleepy eye I don't dream big, just the right size Modesty comes from mom's side You ever heard of a soft touch? You ever heard of a finger roll? Little sun, little raindrop And you watch this thing grow Follow me like a firefly At midnight in mid-July Mixing blood and sweat and tears of joy That's what I call the rally cry Relentless Like a dog on a bum We got gas in the tank to go all night We got gas in the tank to go all night Relentless We don't walk alone Relentless It's time to get to work Max Kerman is the lead singer, primary lyricist, and one of the guitarists in a band from Hamilton, Ontario called Arkells. Since first forming 15 years ago, Arkells have gone from teens coming of age during a Canadian indie rock boom to becoming one of this country's most popular rock bands who fill arenas and routinely win Juno Awards. The band often uses its platform to highlight social issues and economic inequity in their communities and around this country, They do so via their work and also in their actions, and such themes can be found throughout their fifth and latest album, Rally Cry, which is out now via Universal Music. Max and I had a talk recently about the origins of Arkells, the economic and demographic shifts impacting Hamilton, growing up in Toronto near Fresca Pizza, being compared to Constantine's, becoming a big band, why they signed a statement in support of the Unistaten camp and Wet'suwet'en land defenders after the Royal Canadian Mounted Police raided their territory, and we talked about many other things. With the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash creativecontrol plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in the beautiful city of Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 457th episode of Creative Control 
featuring Max Kerman of Arkells with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, Max, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you, Ish? I'm pretty well. I'm pretty well. Long time no talk or see, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like the last time, uh, last interaction we had is I was making a very stupid indie rock joke on your Facebook in the comment <laughs> section about your kids. <laughs> it was Junior Panthers. And I thought I'd impress everybody and your friends. I'd be like, are you talking about the Sloan song or are we talking about the band from Saskatoon? And I don't know if anybody got it. I was like, that was really stupid. In retrospect, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, here's what happened. I mean, just so people know, my kids and I, uh, we drive around together all the time. And every once in a while, actually, a lot of the time we listen to music. And for whatever reason, they got into the Sloan album, one chord to another, and we started singing the, their song, Junior Panthers. And there's like a woo part that I can't even do. You know, that's <laughs> like a kind of a chorusy thing. And they got into it and they tried to do it. So that's I posted that on, uh, on Facebook, I guess. And then, yeah, people were like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, <laughs> the kids are so sweet. That's so sweet. And then you were like, nah. <laughs> that's not as good as the band junior panthers is that what happened yeah i was like not that mainstream garbage like you know one chord to another like if, if you're a real music fan no yeah it was <laughs> funny that was i thought it was funny i okay good I, as long as you knew that it was meant to be a joke and that your kids are very cute yeah. did, did, you, did you get blowback for the people who were like max kerman what are you doing no but i did wonder what they were thinking what people what people were making of me and, and that comment there was the, most people were probably just kind of confused by it all well, everyone knows you hate children. I mean, that's and their joy, the, the joy they feel at music. That, that's a that thing. is a big part of our brand, you know, <laughs> with our kids. It's like the band's like rock and roll songs, a pretty good live show, and they hate kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, where in the world are you today? Uh, I'm actually in Toronto right now. Um, yeah, we're just uh, in the kind of the final week of sort of tour prep before uh, we head out west uh, to start the tour in Edmonton. So I'm just sort of hanging around. What what does that consist of tour prep? Your your band has uh, escalated to a level that I I can't almost relate to. All the bands I talk to are uh, well, that's not true. I shouldn't say that. Uh, they they have scale. They have things they have to worry about. What what is your tour prep in Arkells consist of these days? So, well, to be clear, like the the tour prep for the Canadian tour is different than what the the U.S. leg would look like, or oh. your you know. So it's like uh, there are more decisions to be made on the canadian side just because the rooms are bigger and there's just a lot more production and the days are i don't know there's more scheduling to be taken care of so there's, just, there's like a million little conversations going on about like oh when we get to victoria we have to like and yeah, i like to be sure. pretty pretty involved in in those conversations about you know how to make the day run the best and how to enjoy it the most but uh yeah then you know we we did rehearsals this week and you know, we have kind of a big lighting rig, and we we're trying to really get the set set list together um, so everybody's comfortable. And, uh, and you know, some of it sometimes it's just like literally just like walking around and like thinking about the set list. Like I really, I think the whole band operates better when it's there's there's more structure. That's like one of the things I learned. I remember Mike D in New York City, our guitarist Mike D, got mad at me because uh, uh, after a show we were driving 
back to Canada the next day and he was like, Max, like, I got to tell you something. It really throws me off when you're throwing in too many audibles in the show and I don't enjoy it. Like, so you have to stick to more of a structure. And I, and I respected him for telling me that. And I think all the guys, including myself to a certain degree, like, like knowing a general roadmap of, you know, what the show is going to look like and, mm-hmm. and just, and, and so, uh, Anyway, so when it comes to tour prep, there's a lot of that kind of thing because no one wants to be kind of caught off guard in the middle of the show or even in the middle of the day. Like people just like like structure, I find. Yeah, that's the the biggest thing I think about being in a a band and playing arenas. I imagine that's one of the biggest things. You kind of want to have a comfort zone. And, uh, you know, this is why... Do you guys generally play the same set each night for your with your lighting rig and your crew and everyone? Do you got to do that? Yeah, there's less flexibility because, like, even I didn't even know this, but I guess uh, for our lighting guy uh, Ryan Stumpy Campbell, he um, it takes him like a day to program one song or some like a lot of time. So if we're like throwing in random stuff, like he can, you know, hit the lighting, he can make it up as he goes. But if he wants to have like specific looks for the show, it actually takes a fair amount of programming, uh, which I, which again, I had no idea. So um, why would so, you why would you care about the tech and the yeah. production? You're just you're the singer. You're the rock star guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, that's you know, it's true. A lot of people take that stuff for granted. You're not alone, I don't think. No, but you know, I, we're lucky that we work with these talented people, and they take their jobs really seriously. And then and they and I'm usually like, hey, I'm the dummy here. Just explain what you need, and then we can all figure out how to work together. But um, yeah, so there, there's there's gonna be a few moments uh, in the set that are gonna be different every night. Um, but we'll, we'll be kind of sticking to a central set list uh, for the tour. Well, I didn't mean to get too far into the logistics of of this uh, operation on some level, but I I actually think it is kind of fascinating because I don't... Your band, since we first met, has elevated to a level that uh, I I think is... uh, Some people don't even realize it, you know, that your band is... You're primarily on this tour playing arenas, right? Yeah, arenas and scaled-down arenas. Yeah, um, yeah, this yeah. is a big deal. So Arkells became a big deal. When did this band form exactly? How 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 long have you been in this band? Uh, yeah, so the story goes, um, you know, we all are from various parts of southern Ontario. Mike is from Guelph. You live in Guelph, right? I still live in Guelph. I'm That's, calling you from Guelph. That's correct. That's right, yeah. So Mike D went to uh, GCVI. Shout out to Greasy GC. That's um, just down the street here. You, I, was, was it you? I don't know if Mike was with you. You guys came to my house once and we filmed a little thing. Uh, I think when I was working at CBC, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. I don't know what if it was an off day or if you were playing some kind of Guelph show, but you came and you were, we filmed a little thing. I remember that. And there, that you do have a strong history with Guelph, as I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and early festivals at Hillside. So anyway, so we're all from Southern Ontario. And uh, on the first day of school, um, you know, I went to school specifically to like meet people to start a band. <laughs> I, I thought there'd be like a lot of like-minded people that wanted to play music. And um, Mike, I started talking to Mike. You know, you talk to the great thing about like the first week of college is that everybody is sort of has to be friendly. I find, at least in my experience, everybody's just like putting themselves out there. And um, I started talking to Mike, and I, I profiled him as a guy that might play an instrument in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was, uh, I said, you know, so what, what are you into music? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I play. Um, I was like, well, well, who's your favorite band? And he's like, well, I'm into this band that. You probably haven't heard of, but they're, I really love them. They're, they're from Winnipeg. They're called the Weaker Nans. Oh. And I like, and I pushed them. I was like, they're my favorite band because 
Re- Reconstruction Site had recently come out, and that record means so much to me. Yeah, and uh, I had just seen the Weakerthans play at the Underground in Hamilton that summer before I moved to Hamilton. Um, I'd kind of made a little road trip with my dad to Hamilton to watch the Weakerthans, and so I said, "I said they're my, I said, they're my favorite band too." And I said, "Do you play guitar?" Or do, I said, "Do you play any instruments?" And he said, "Oh." I kind of play guitar. I was like, all right, you're in the band. <laughs> and you're, then you're doing a vetting process at that point, really. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Mike, sure enough, you know, he had like um like a starter Fender Strat with like the little home uh, home amp wire. Um and he had that with him. Um and then I, the next I just I just bought my son one of those things for Christmas. Oh, they're great. They're like they're so they're handy and small and yeah, you know, yeah, he's they sound excited. good. Yeah. Uh, and then the next day, I, I met Nick, who's our bassist, and I was wearing a Sam Roberts band shirt. Okay. <laughs> and Nick and Nick said, "It's like, oh, I like Sam Roberts." Uh, and we started talking. I said, "Do you play an instrument?" He's like, "I kind of play the bass." And I was like, "All right, you're in the band." And he's like, "What band?" I was like, "We'll figure it out." <laughs> uh, so and that was in the that was the fall of 2004. Oh and, wow! Um, so going back a ways, okay, like 15, yeah, yeah. 15 years ago. This is like, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm 32 now, and I was 17 then. So wow. Okay. Yeah, wow. it's crazy. Um, we so we started jamming just in the common room. We had we had our first gig with like an old drum, like the original drummer, this guy Ev, who left the band after a couple of years. Uh, at the McMaster Battle of the Bands. And then we started playing gigs in Hamilton at the Underground and the Casbah and at Pepper Jack Cafe, which is now Absinthe and Corktown, all these great little local venues. And um, yeah, it was it was a really good time to be in a rock band. I always feel really lucky that we were, you know, 18 to 21 in like the golden era of Canadian indie rock, in my mind at least, um, which would have been, you know, 2004 to 2008. And so I got to go see that was that that was when I was an undergrad, and and we got to see, you know, the Constantines, Winter Sleep, Joel Plaskett, Cuff the Duke, all these great bands yeah. co- come through Hamilton and play, you know, for two hundred people, and we were always there. And there was a great little scene there, a lot of awesome musicians that were going to McMaster or, or playing in bands in Hamilton. So I feel like, um, yeah, I always feel very lucky that. Uh, that like we, we were a band and we had these these guys that were sort of a generation above us, like you know showing us how to do it. And and your band at the time, I mean, what, what was it called? Arkells at that time. Uh, we were called Charlemagne. Actually, this uh, this is kind of a funny story. So uh, Charlemagne was just the name that we needed to uh, decide on uh, for the for the master battle of the bands, and that was our name for uh, the first like three years as we were gigging in and around Hamilton, and we you know, go up to Guelph and London and Toronto for shows. But uh, we knew, but we had been sent an email or a MySpace message from another Charlemagne oh, in Wisconsin. I see. And he said, if you don't change your name, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. And now, wait a minute. Charlemagne is a, is a person's name. That's a name. Isn't yeah. It? But I guess it was well, the King Charlemagne. I think that's the, yeah, the, the, exactly. the, the, the famous guy, but I guess it's a, uh, for the sake of music, and maybe there only can be one Charlemagne. I don't know. I don't. Know, I don't know how copyright law works. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go down that uh, rabbit hole necessarily. But where? So just let's settle or uh, rather focus on your decision to name the band Charlemagne. You're saying ah, you were in a battle of the bands. You had to come up with something. But is there... we were in an English class. Like oh, in, in, I see. We were in a class, and like Mike found it in a book or something like that. Like it was just like oh, that word. Then it's kind of cool. It's King Charlemagne. Let's go with that. And I was like, okay, it sounds fine. Kind of unique. I didn't really care that much to be honest. Um, <laughs> But but anyway, so when we were in the the last year of undergrad, um, we started working 
Joel Carrier from, we had an EP out and Joel Carrier from Dynalone Records reached out and wanted to start working with us. And it was a very big deal for us because, you know, uh, Joel's the guy behind Alexis on Fire and he was the label for for Bedouin Sound Clash and Attack in Black. You know, he was yeah. a big part of that scene. And we're, we we said to him, like, all right, that's amazing. Give us like three months. We'll graduate in the spring and we'll be ready to go. So one of the first things he wanted to do for us was um, put a flyer for our EP. He was going to put out our EP first, the, the Deadlines EP. Yeah. And he was, he was going to put a flyer in the new City and Color album. Do you remember that? How like CDs oh, yeah. would have have other artists on the roster, like in the flyer on the inside part. Oh my, I still have my like murder records inserts, like the fly, exactly. flyer inserts. They just did like every record that they had or touch and go used to do it all the time as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Young people would be like, what are you guys talking about? Well, but, yeah. yeah, the whole, everything we're talking about might be over some people's heads, but yeah, they used to do that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So we said, Joel, that's amazing, but there's something we haven't told you, which is there's another Charlemagne. And he said he's going to sue us if we don't change our name. So we we think we need to change the name. And Joel said, "Oh, okay. Well, this thing's going to the printer in thirty minutes. So can you <laughs> can you tell me your new name?" And we've been just kind of putting off this decision for months because we knew we'd have to change it eventually. So I I remember uh, distinctly I was at the McMaster Student Library uh, working on something, and then I I like went outside and frantically started calling the guys. I'm like, guys, we need a new name. And I forget who came up with it, but it was like we liked. It. Mike and I lived on Arkell Street, uh-huh. um, and we thought Arkells sort of sounded like a '60s duop group, like the Shirelles or the Vandellas. Like that was just sort of where our mind went. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and uh, there's nothing like a deadline. Let me tell you that. I still believe that. Like there's nothing like a deadline to get creatives, uh, you know, to make a decision or to get off their ass and actually do some work. <laughs> yeah, to finalize uh, song titles and things like that as well. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you like, you have to like give me a, like a hard date, or it'll never get done. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. And then we then like yeah, in, within like an hour, we were Arkells, and that's who we've been ever since. There's a little tiny town called Arkell just outside of Guelph as well. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. My, Mike was familiar with that. Um, actually, it's funny though because um, we quickly learned that Arkells dot com was this uh, brewery in Swindon, England. Oh. Um, uh, and we had like we were like oh man we would love to have arkells.com but uh and we we sort of have been like observing each other for the last like 12 years <laughs> but, but we've never reached out to each other um and i'm and so this past spring when we were in the uk uh our tour our uk tour manager uh unbeknownst to us reached out to them saying hey should i bring the band by and uh, they're like, oh, yeah, sure. And so we went by. And it was sort of like a, a meeting of like North and South Korea kind of thing. Where it's like <laughs> we, have, we haven't acknowledged each other for about finally we're going to like, you know, meet and, and see if we can uh, get along. And it, was, and it was a totally like lovely family that that's had this brewery in, in the family's name for like 150 years. And I think um, the, like the great, great grandfather uh, originally moved to Guelph. And oh, I think that road what? is named after him. And oh. then he moved back. And he started this brewery. So there. So I think that's where I would imagine where Arkell Street in Hamilton is also from. So we got to meet the the family lineage, which is kind of cool. That is so strange. What a weird yeah. sort of connection there. So everything's cool with you and the the brewery. That's good. Oh yeah, they they, they gave us some swag. They hooked us up with some beer. It was, it was all good. Nice. Now you you mentioned that you travel to Hamilton from somewhere. Where and you mentioned Southern Ontario is sort of everyone's home base. Where where are you from? Where did you come up? 
So I grew up by uh, downtown Toronto. Uh, my parents live uh, just a little north of Kensington Market. There's like on uh, Major Street, which is just like College and Spadina area. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I went to. Uh, it's funny. My public school was uh, right behind the Silver Dollar. <laughs> oh yeah, right. That's right. You, do you know that uh, if you're going around Spadina? Crescent. Um, there's that school, Lord, it's Lord Lansdowne Public School. I often, uh, I often park there illegally if I have. Oh, to. there you go. I go to get my favorite pizza in Toronto is near there, Fresca Pizza. So I go. I'll just get, give them a shout out right now. And I. Oh uh, well, Fresca used to be called Massimo's. Uh, Massimo's. Oh my God, Mas- that was a dream. It, like, but once a semester, my parents would give me five bucks to go get a slice. <laughs> you know what's you know what's crazy about that place? It's it's run by these Vietnamese people. Still and, is uh, the same. They were at they were with Massimo's as well. That's right. They were. They took it over. Yeah. Uh, not not to get too much in the weeds here on, on pizza, but we but love yeah. talking about. I've I have recorded an episode of this show at Fresca. We. Oh, that, I'm happy to talk amazing. about it. Yeah, go for it. Well, you know, yeah, it's so funny because like I'll go in there. And I'll be like, this is the same guy from when I was literally five years old. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's crazy. And the, the, but the craziest thing is that when I was seven, like Massimo's had um, exp- the slices were expensive. They were like four twenty five or something. Like, and that, and this was, would have been in the you know early to mid nineties. And right. so that much for a slice of pizza uh, was, was a lot of money. It, they've actually decreased the price since the midnight, which is crazy. It's now it's like four bucks or something. It's like, do you guys know how inflation works? Yeah, <laughs> no, they're they're they don't they're not friendly. They like me. I think they recognize me. Like I, I'm they're in a city with you know millions of people, but they seem to recognize me and they're okay with me. But they don't talk much, and I just <laughs> I just say I'll have a margarita and a brio, and they, they it's five bucks, and they give it to me, and I eat, and they I always say thanks. Sometimes they say no problem or you're welcome. Sometimes they don't acknowledge it. That's just the way it is. It's just. Do you slather the uh, the the, um, garlic oil on the crust? I let they do it. I don't. I don't add any more. It's a greasy slice, uh, but I think it's fantastic. So that's and I like I say I sometimes after doing whatever I have to do in Toronto will make a point of going, uh, or sometimes I will I will just make a point of going there first. You know, and getting my slice and then going to wherever I have to go to see a show or something. So that's amazing that you live in that area. So Toronto, you came up in Toronto and you went to school in Hamilton. And you, your band, Arkells, has become, you know, gr- greatly associated with Hamilton. You are the pride of Hamilton. How does that make you feel? <laughs> it's, it's really nice. You know, the you know, the band was born in Hamilton and it's where, you know, three of us live and... Yeah, it, it was a very formative place for us, and and the reality is, is like if we we're like if someone was like, wait a second, you grew up in Toronto, and they're like, well, yes, that's true, but what what are we gonna say? Like the band is from where the Arkells from Guelph, Hamilton, London, Mississauga, and Newmarket. Like we can't we can't say like the band needs to be from somewhere. Well, right? the, and there's no discounting the fact that it sounds like your formative years, you know, as a in your late teens were spent in Hamilton. This is a city that's a part of you. Oh, of course. And that's the thing. It's just like, you know, we're named after the street we live, Mike and I lived on in undergrad. You know, we've since like moved downtown, like all, all like the you know, formative moments, uh, you know, going to shows and playing shows and meeting other bands and promoters. Uh, those were all Hamilton people. So, um, yeah, we, we've, yeah, we feel, um, lucky for so many different reasons that, that the band's from Hamilton. But one of the, one of the main reasons is that, we had a chance to open for our favorite bands in Hamilton. And I don't think we would have got those chances in Toronto because it's yeah. just that much more competitive. So 
we, we had a chance like to open for cup the Duke or Tokyo police club, you know? Um, and, and to us that, that was always like a very important thing. Well, I mean, I, as I say, I think it's it's. I don't mean to put you in an awkward position, but I do feel like the city does seem to have rallied rallied behind you. They they are proud of you. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I always think about it like this: is like my friend uh, Julian, my old roommate in Hamilton. He was he was getting married, and I was asking him like how the uh, how I was feeling leading up to the wedding. I was in his wedding party. He's like, you know, he's like, honestly, it's awesome for the reason. For the simple reason that like everybody is really happy for you, mm-hmm. like so like for, for like the the couple weeks leading up to the wedding, everybody's just like, oh, are you excited? I'm so thrilled for you. And on the wedding day, people just have big smiles and are just like really happy to see you. And I feel like in Hamilton, I get a version of that like all the time. Yeah, it, yeah. Where people are just like happy for us, and and I try not to take that for granted because I'm just like, oh, like how most people don't get that <laughs> kind of thing where people just like see me and like. Are like, oh, how's touring going? No, oh, great show or whatever, and and I think that's a really um, you know unique thing for anybody, and I and I try to recognize that just like that's a special thing because people just to show like outward sort of excitement for you is is a, is a nice feeling. It seems to me that your band's trajectory and your city of Hamilton's trajectories are kind of similar in a way because in the last fifteen years, your band has, as we've talked about already, it's elevated, it's escalated to you're being one of the biggest bands that this country has ever uh, produced, so to speak. And your city, Hamilton, is also uh, now kind of in the spotlight, uh, particularly for people uh, with, the, with the housing bubble and, and the way things have gone with real estate around southern Ontario, in Canada, around the world, in fact. Uh, but in particular, I, I've heard a lot in the last few years about people from Toronto looking to Hamilton as a place that they can afford to live in. And, you know, I've had various artists from Hamilton, various people from Hamilton on this show recently. In fact, just recently, Lee Reed was on this show. Oh, cool. That's awesome. I'm a huge fan of his. He's been on the show a few times, and we talked about that, what the kind of economic displacement that all this Hamilton mania has kind of uh, resulted in in terms of how it's impacted the city. Do you have any perspective on that like Hamilton is a it seems to be a, at least a national player now in terms of a big city that's on the come up but that has its sort of requisite issues as well do you have any perspective on that oh sure well yeah I do um if you also feel lucky that you know just as I was finishing school and you know with the band was starting to tour and but we all kind of had to make so much life decisions like oh, are we gonna move back to our parents house or are we gonna you know, stay together and, and live in Hamilton. Like Hamilton had cool stuff going on. And, and I, you know, I grew up in downtown Toronto and I like don't, I still don't have a car like yeah, today. Sure. Yeah. And so like the idea of being in a place that like has some similarities to Toronto that are walkable and cool local shops, like all the things I really enjoy about Toronto, like Hamilton was getting more and more of. Um, so I do appreciate that it has, um, that is flourishing in that way. Of course, you know, when it comes to gentrification and growing pains uh, of, of a city in transition, like those are complicated issues, but I will say that like, there are people like Lee, Lee, for instance, and other advocates who are like hawks when it comes to that kind of activity. And whenever I see somebody calling out a city councilor or, or, or attending, you know, do you know Matt Jelly? Um, I'm. Fam- he, I don't know. That. No, I don't think I do. No. Matt, 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 and his brother, the Jelly Brothers, they uh, do these amazing posters of local neighborhoods. You've probably seen the posters. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, he's he's another like local city advocate. Uh, the guy named Ryan McReal runs a 
website called Raise the Hammer. And they're all just like really concerned citizens. Um, and I think I tried to look at communities as like a holistic thing where it's like you you want the push and pull. I try to like frame it that way where it's like, okay, you want, you know, some, some ambitious young entrepreneur to like open something cool. Like I think that's that's good. But then you also want a hawk who's who's making sure that people that are, uh, you know, underrepresented are are being heard as well so, so and that, i think that is how you know societies collectively move forward together in the best way is if you have everybody everybody at the table having conversations and keeping each other in check i don't know if that's like i know that sounds very optimistic and idealistic uh but i do i do believe that there is room for a lot of different voices and sensibilities um but i will say that like the people that I personally admire the most are our advocates who who keep uh, some of the big wigs in check, and I, and I really value what they bring to the conversation. Well, one of the reasons I felt comfortable asking you such a question, you know, which is sort of not a music-related question per se, but your band and, and you as a lyricist, are you the primary lyricist in your band? Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely start all the songs. I, I'll, I'll say that there's a a healthy amount of collaboration and editing like because mike and i mean all the guys are so smart but like you know mike especially is is a really brilliant writer in his own way like he's just the kind of guy who can in in school like uh sneeze out an essay and it's like beautiful prose so uh, th they help a lot too like i'm like how do i say this better like yeah or can, can i you know clean up the phrasing here and uh yeah. Okay. So, the, yeah. But yeah, I start this. Yeah. The, the themes come from me. So sure. the reason I ask is because I feel like in your music, in your band's music, there is this socially conscious uh, strain. There's a thread there where you mm -hmm. seem to be addressing issues like economic disparity and poverty. I know in your actions as well, your band uh, has tried to do things to sort of uh, help people who are less fortunate uh, than, than yourselves and, and try to bolster communities. Do you have a sense where that sort of consciousness comes from, that that feeling that you, you have a, I, I don't know if it, you feel like it's a responsibility, but you seem to have taken that on in your work uh, as an artist to, to try yeah. to, to better, to, to, you know, help people who are struggling. Yeah, I can, I, I think I know exactly where it comes from. My, um, my parents, my, mo my mom's a high school teacher at Central Tech, actually. Just mm -hmm. She's got the best commute ever. It's like a five-minute walk from our house. Still she's still it, active. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, uh, she, I think she's going to retire this year. But yeah, she's been yeah. there for 20, 20 years. And uh, she teaches um, special ed for high school students. And my dad um, is a social worker by trade. He And he worked in group homes for uh, in Toronto uh, for 25 years. He's a director of a group home. And... He has since started his own little small business where he puts on conferences for people in the mental health profession. So if you're interested in, if you're a counselor or a psychologist who wants to learn more about PTSD or marriage counseling or anything, he'll, he organizes the conference and he'll bring in a speaker who's an expert in the field and people sign up for those conferences. So anyway, so both my parents are, I think are pretty com community minded and you know, both their jobs are really, to, I think, to try to make our community is better you know, if you're a social worker. And I, I find I'm really attracted to, uh, I think because of them, I'm very attracted to people who work in, in those fields. Like I think it's like the most noble work there is. And I'm so grateful for, for people who have the instinct to get into that line of work, whether yeah. you're, whether you're a nurse, my girlfriend, Lauren is a, 
is currently actually at a placement uh, for her nursing degree uh, at St. Mike's Hospital. Yeah, so I think between my parents and their friends who work in that world as well, like um, we have a song called A Little Rain, song for Pete, uh, which is about uh, our dear family friend, Peter Rosenthal. And uh, Peter is a brilliant guy. He, he was a full-time math professor at U of T, but also a full-time social justice lawyer. So he's represented the Ontario Coalition Against Poverty, First Nations groups, victims of police brutality. And that whole song is just a song for him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love him. And he, and he takes on the work with a sense of joy and passion that I really admire. So yeah, so I could go through like a laundry list of family friends who do really noble stuff. And, and, just my, and so I think that's where it comes from uh, when, when I'm thinking about themes uh, to write about is just that it's it's at the forefront of my mind just because that's you know who my family is it does seem to me that you've taken on a rather noble stance in that regard because you're you're imparting these ideas to a very large following at this point have you have you seen that have any efficacy have you seen have you heard from fans who say thank you for doing this or speaking out or or helping uh, others it has prompted me to do the same do you can you think of examples of that Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, people do like come, come to our music, uh, for the politics on it. And some people don't, some people just like, like the fact that there's like guitars and Max yelling or whatever, which is cool too, <laughs> which I, which I'm into. That's, that's great too. But yeah, I think, you know, right from the beginning, like we have a song called, uh, he's no champagne socialist. Um, which is actually funny enough about Peter Rosenthal's brother, oh. Wally. Yeah. So, so the Rosenthal's have two Arkell songs uh, to their name. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, oh, the boss is coming. Like, yeah, and I think uh, even with a song like I, I, I get particularly pleased with the song like "Knocking at the Door," which was like inspired by the Women's March and just this idea that you have to be persistent and you and you have to you know keep your sort of eyes on the prize, so to speak, when you're fighting for justice. I love the fact that like there there are people that have come to me who like say like this is the thing that like got me through a certain event in my life. Um, and because the lyrics, you know, speak to what I'm going through, but it's also can be played at, at a sports game. And, I, and, and then the people who maybe wouldn't have that at the top of their like agenda, like yeah. any of these issues yeah. are singing along to it as well. <laughs> I like like sneaking in my politics in sort of a, like a subtle way. I feel like Springsteen does that w- well, too. Yes, he, like, yes, he does. And it, I, I'm hearing him uh, when I listen to the new album Rally Cry, I'm hearing more Springsteen in you than I've heard in some time. Uh, totally. Yeah, no, there's definitely some references there. <laughs> yeah, and I, I appreciate what you're saying about maybe where your 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 conscious streak comes from. But, and I, you know, we're talking about this album, Rally Cry, or we're, we're meant to be, and uh, it's the new one. And it's it strikes me that uh, it's quite different than, uh, which is totally, this is normal. As a band has been together, as long as yours has been, uh, things change. Uh, but mm-hmm. do you have a perspective on where this, the sound of this band in terms of? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Where it started from, you mentioned kind of that indie rock boom in the mid 2000s yeah. in Canada and how you mentioned a few bands there and as you mentioned them I can hear how all of them have kind of informed where Arkells came from but when I listen to Rally Cry it's anthemic it's it's it seems like there's moments on the record that seem built for a stadium or arena sing along um you know you've got to kind of think about that a little bit more I think uh, you know in terms of engaging your audience do you have a perspective on how the band has evolved musically and, and how maybe uh, that evolution relates to the scale of the band changing? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think when we started the band, we were like, you know, obsessed with the Constantines and Canadian indie rock and Oh, the Boss is Coming like is just like, you know, a Constantine song, really. <laughs> <laughs> Did you and- have you heard that from people? Oh, yeah, of course. Probably I mean, in both a positive and negative way. Sure, yeah. I mean, the Constantine's die, diehards in the beginning were like, who the fuck is this band? This yeah. is just a con-. And I was like, I agree. It is just a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but, like, but I'm more of a populist than Bry is. Uh, so, you know, where they fuck around with the form and, uh, you know, and, and their, their tones are like a little more abrasive in a very cool Constantine's kind of way. I'm always like, ah, but like, you know, I wanted, I wanted to go down a little easier. So that's always been, even with Jackson Square, like when we we're like just trying to rip off Shine a Light, um, <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, we, we definitely lean more on the, on the poppy side of things. But I can tell you, when we wrote the Jack, Jackson Square, we were very, um, I think I'd, I'd say our musical palette was, was a lot more narrow. But I distinctly remember this moment working on the second record. I had just gotten into Hollow Notes. And I was really surprised because Holonos is the kind of band that I would have just scoffed at sure. like two years before. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, do I like the sound of that synth? I hated that synth two years ago uh, in, you know, you make my dreams come true or whatever, or, or I can't go for that. Um, but I was like, now I kind of like that. Those are, so, those are both very good songs. They're I both great songs, right? And, and I say that as a, uh, uh, I think, I have to check my credentials, but I'm a bona fide punk. And I think those are two good songs, if I might right, say. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So I would say that every every album, there's been some version of that where it was like something I couldn't have predicted that I'd like has has been added to my repertoire of things I'm a fan of. <laughs> uh, and I think the older I get, the more maybe at ease I am with myself and the more interested I am in different kinds of music. So yeah, I'd say the scope of what we were listening to was just a lot more narrow at Jackson Square. And we just the influences have just piled on and um, but the, over, the, over. The, the, this populism you describe, I think you mentioned, you know, some of the cons diehards uh, viewed uh, some of your early work as sort of derisive, uh, derisively rather. And and uh, and certainly some thought you were kind of copying that band. But you mentioned that you've always been a populist and populism is a fascinating thing uh, for artists. Like when I think mm-hmm. when we mentioned um, Bruce Springsteen already. Uh, on this record, I hear a little bit of you too here and there as well. Of like, course, I, yeah. I, I hear the kind of bigger, iconic rock artists uh, in your work on this album, Rally Cry in particular, and they all the the two those two artists. I I can think of moments where they were. The, you describe the cons as being 
a bit more abrasive, uh, maybe uh, maybe not thinking about being on the radio and whatnot. And and I think Bruce and Bruce Springsteen and you two probably encountered that same thing. They both were, you know, very ambitious. They wanted their edgier music to hit, reach as many people as possible. But then something shifted, and they kind of they went for it. They kind of really went for it. They re, they went for the radio a little bit, or the radio happened to them. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my point is, when you say you're into populism, or and that's a streak within you. Is that simply to sustain your band and its career, or is that to to reach more people with your work? I know that's complicated because the two go hand in hand, but I think that's where some of the suspicion or derision comes from. Like, ah, oh, they're, oh, sure. they're going for the radio, you know, kind of thing. I, no, you you know what it is. Um, I I think at least it comes from an, a really an honest place. So my my dad went to Wayne State University in Detroit and he was a college DJ. And so we had like all of his vinyls from like the late sixties, like in our house as a kid. And the only thing I listened to until I was literally 12 years old was the Beatles and Motown. I was just obsessed with the Beatles and all the the great Motown acts. And so that's where my love of pop music comes from. Like I have no shame in like loving pop music. Hmm. So that's like really like the, probably the most informative thing before I ever heard of the Constantines was you know great pop songs yeah and i still love great pop songs so it's it has much less to do with um with like a yearning for being because like i think it would feel inauthentic and i don't think i could do it if i was just like shamelessly like there's so like even though this record to you you should probably sound like um like a sort of big pop arena rock record, there are a million other production choices we could have made that were just shamelessly trying to appeal to the sounds of 2018. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, I I feel like, you know, your core and this is an Arkell's record by, by every measure for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So for me, it's just like, I like, I will, yeah, being perfectly honest, like I love like nothing. There's probably nothing more gratifying in our job than than a group sing along at an Arkells concert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like I fucking love that. Like the first time, like I don't think I knew I loved that until we started touring and people were singing along to our song John Lennon. Yeah. I was like, holy fuck, this is crazy. <laughs> this is the coolest thing ever. Like, can we do more of that? <laughs> and so and the thing is you want to make interesting music and you want to like, you know, push yourself and you don't want to make anything that sounds derivative because otherwise it just wouldn't make the cut. So the so the trick is like how do you create those moments of sort of unity in, in like w- whether people are singing along in their car or at the, at the, at the concert, but also do it in a captivating way. And I think that's the secret sauce to a great pop song. There's a lot of terrible pop songs, but there's also some really great ones. If you go through like the clash, have a lot of great pop songs. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, Stevie wonder does Bruce Springsteen does. And I, and there's a lot of pop songs that I love from this year too. So yeah, no, that's, it, I think. It, yeah, no, I know. I hear where you're coming from. I mean, in terms of, the content on Rally Cry, you're getting into some pretty dark and, and heavy stuff with songs like American Screams, uh, People's Champ, which I kind of view as this dialogue between, or it's a description of the American president, but also Hillary Clinton. It's like seems like there's like a little dialogue there that I didn't realize until last night when I was thinking about it a bit more. Uh, you're getting into kind of American politics with songs like like those. What spurred that on? You know, we spend a lot of time touring in America, and our band loves talking about whatever Trump did today, <laughs> and you know the dialogue between 
the left and the right and the, the growing tribalism that's existing. So yeah, it's just like really at the forefront uh, of of our everyday, you know, just the conversations we're having with each other. And uh, yeah, we listen to a lot of podcasts uh, when we're on the road. We're always sending each other articles. So it, it, I think that's, you know, that's really what, uh, you know, had me going in that direction. Po- like political podcasts? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the Slate. Shout out to uh, the Slate Political Gab Fest, which is, uh, <laughs> which is my favorite. Uh, but also, uh, you know, Ezra Klein. We love... Love Ezra. Um, the Vox. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Vox editor guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And also the Daily and Today Explained. Like all those ones are awesome. So you, you. by the way, the last I heard, you were you were involved in a podcast, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, My friends um, Mike and Shane and I have a podcast called Mike on Much. And uh, there are a couple of Hamilton guys. And it's, it's more of a pop culture podcast. It's it's much stupid, much, much dumber than the uh, <laughs> than the ones I me- just mentioned. Uh, I don't think it's above my pay grade to talk about politics uh, for a podcast. So, yeah, we just do interviews similar to this, actually, with, with artists. And then we also just more of a chance to catch up and just banter with each other. Podcasts have really taken over uh, band life, haven't they, when you're traveling oh. together? Oh, it's it's the best kind of conversation starter when you're meeting another band because there's a good chance that they're listening to podcasts and it's like an opportunity not to talk about music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. What, what, what podcasts are you into? And then you can kind of get to know the person a little better that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I did mention Springsteen and I, I just wanted to ask you a, a quick question, a couple of quick questions, because mm-hmm. particularly on Eyes on the Prize, there is a breakdown <laughs> yeah. that is so, you know, early Springsteen that is <laughs> totally. un- unbelievable. What is your favorite... Era of Bruce Springsteen, if I might Ooh. ask, because I, I I have a real soft spot for the Wild, the Innocent, the East Street Shuffle. Like that's that's my that's, record. Oh, interesting. Okay, so that record is probably lower in the rankings for me, but I do love uh, the first one. I love Greetings uh, a lot, and I love. I mean, anything from the seventies is probably my favorite. I'd say my favorite record was Darkness on the Edge of Town, though. There's something about the quality of that recording, like late 70s, that, that I really love. Yeah. Just, uh, just yeah. kind of has a punk edge to it. it it's Totally. Seems, yeah. But are you a Born to Run person? I, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Just making Darkness. sure. Because, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, your physicality as a performer, you're really going for it uh, on stage. Every time I've mm-hmm. seen the band, whenever you do like the Junos or something, that's a big part of it. Do you know where that comes from exactly? Who are you inspired by there? Well, I'd say it's, I'm a real collection of my favorite frontmen. I'd say so. Um, I'd say in the early days, I was definitely trying to do some combination of Bry meets Joel Plaskett. Ah, okay. Brian <laughs> uh, Webb. Brian Webb. Yeah, Bri- Bri- yeah, Brian Webb. Yeah. From, uh, in, and I even I had like a hollow body that kind of looked like uh, Bry's guitar, um, and wow. I had curly hair, so I tried to like move like him and hold the mic the way he snarls at it. But also I love Plaskett's probably my favorite front man. My probably my favorite Canadian front man, honestly. Um, he, though his ability to, to, to tell stories and entertain his disposition, I probably relate to a little bit more. Um, it's, and a, that very, he, it's he, a very Canadian disposition, isn't it? Yeah. And, and he's a little silly, um, but his, his ability to tell stories as he's playing guitar and to like, kind of drop references through the set and then by the time he gets to the, the final song it'll all make sense kind of thing like i just find he's brilliant at that um i feel like obviously- there was a time where he felt omnipresent and now i feel like joel plaskett is underrated i i i, I that's how i feel like i some, yeah. something he's been sort of absent a little bit I, but it feels like but i agree with you 
Yeah, no, he. I mean, I saw him in December at Danforth, and it was awesome. It was oh, as yeah. good as it was good as ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and then and then of course we you know we toured with the Tragically Hip and watching Gord and the way he moves his body. Um, yeah. yeah. It was, it really, it was like. But you know, what, the, the cool thing actually about getting influences or sorry, getting inspiration from your heroes is that you know, you become just another version of, you know, of the five of your five favorite people. And that kind of becomes who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was, and I was struck um, in, I, I did this uh, charity show in December uh, for uh, Paul Lingua, his uh, wife, Joanne was doing a fundraiser in Kingston for a hospice and uh, the sky diggers played. Yeah. My friend uh, Jesse, they're... Jesse Bell Smith is in that uh, oh. sky diggers these days. Yeah. So, um, I was watching Andy Mays, the great Andy Mays perform, and I was like, wow, like he's kind of doing a gourd thing with his hands. And I, I didn't really, you know, notice that before. And I, and I called the next day, I was on the phone with our longtime booking agent, uh, Jack Ross. And I said, I was like, Jack, uh, yeah, cause Jack and Andy are dear old friends. And I said, did you, did you notice that like Andy kind of does this gourd thing? And then Jack, <laughs> and then Jack, I know, Jack I know goes, where this is going, by the way. And Jack goes, no, no, no. Gord was doing an Andy. Thing. That's exactly right. <laughs> Andy, like, ah! Andy's tremendously influential and other underrated and gifted Canadian songwriter, Andy Mays of the Sky Diggers. My goodness. Yeah. yeah just a, right. And, and I was, and I love that so much where it's just like, and, and I think there's something kind of beautiful about that. And of course, even though way more people know who, the um hip they know the hip yeah Yeah. they know the hip and they don't necessarily know sky diggers it's like you know gord would be the first person uh to say oh andy's my guy like that's the guy who i looked up to in the same way that i'm the first person to say oh i'm just i was just trying to be brian webb when we put out (laughs) jackson square well i mean Uh, it was always magical to watch uh, when the sky diggers do their annual uh, shows at the horseshoe gord would come sometimes yeah and it was always yeah. uh, amazing to watch him play with them so totally yeah anyway uh max i i do appreciate this time uh with you uh to talk about various things do you feel like we got to anything yeah we got some lots of stuff okay um, i feel like we covered a lot of ground and i i i hope uh, you feel like uh you put your points across and that uh, i was listening and everything went well hey i want to tell you one more thing which, which uh <laughs> I, and because uh, it was relevant to actually what's kind of going on in the news today it was sort of an interesting ex- experience for me oh. so uh it's something i've never never experienced before and i and that's one of the great things about life is trying new shit so uh arkell's along with two other uh 200 other artists uh signed a letter of solidarity with the Udasadin and Wet'suwet'en. Uh, I hope I got that uh, the pronunciation right. Um, by the know, way, over- by the way, it's, it's it was two hundred initially, and it's way above five hundred now. People have signed this thing. Yeah, of course. And yeah. for for me, um, the instinct to do that was simply because I, you know, I don't think that the state should ever use force that way, and and I think we always need to show you know compassion for groups that are suffering and. And as the statement showed, you know, as the statement read, it's like, you know, Justin Trudeau has said one thing and this kind of action rejects what he said. Yeah. And that, that is a problem. And I think I think it's your duty as a good neighbor and a good Canadian to, you know, to shine, shine a light on these issues. So that, that's where I personally came to it. Sure. Um, and, yeah. I, and, I, and, 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 and I felt good about it. I felt good about, you know, raising awareness in this way. So. Um, the interesting thing that happened though afterward is because uh, I feel like every, like most musicians would feel the same way and, and that's the right thing to do. 
we ended up getting a number of emails directed to the band account from people in mostly Alberta, I think, yes. who were really disappointed that Arkells signed this signed this thing, and they one fellow sent a bunch of information along with literature about the realities of the pipeline yeah. and you know all these you know sort of just the other side of the story and and I was and he and they were very mad and one of them had tickets and he said I don't think I'm going to come to the show anymore and I was like wow okay this is an interesting moment where I can talk to somebody who you know we're sort of on fundamental with different sides of a you know a political conversation because when when do we actually get a chance to have like a dialogue with with somebody on the other side, and I love Sarah Silverman. You know, did you ever, did you ever watch her show? Absolutely, uh, talk, yeah. Absolutely. Talking to Americans, yeah. and I really admire the way she like wants to get to know people, especially people that are much different than her. And yeah. I was like, yeah, where are you I love coming that. from? Yeah, where are you yeah, coming where you from? Come, yeah. Where are you come from? That interesting. So, so I was like, you know what? Most most of the times, people like management are just like ignore this. Just whatever. Who gives a fuck? These people are crazy. That 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 be that be most people's reaction, which which I totally get as well. But I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna write the guy because. And so I wrote him. I was like, "Hey, just wanted to let you know. Thanks for reaching out, and and um, I appreciate where you're coming from. And a lot of the things that he wrote were was related to sort of like the, eco- uh, the impl- economic implications. And, yeah, the economic impl- implications. There's a lot of things about oil and the nature of Canadian oil versus Saudi oil versus Venezuelan. Yes. I mean, those are things that are totally out of my pay grade. Which, like, I was like, I really can't comment on that because, like, I have no idea. But like, but but I so I just said, I was like, look. We played in Alberta many times, and we know what it's like to play in Fort McMurray when the whole town, like in a dip, yeah. where everybody's getting laid off. And I know how hard, like, it is for a family to become unemployed. And my heart breaks for for, for families that have to live like with that level of instability. And so, and all we can hope for each other <laughs> is that you have some in, uh, dignity and empowerment in your personal and professional life. Like, I think that's really like just like a fundamental belief that I have is like, that's what we should wish for each other. Yeah. Um, and so I said, and I said, my signing of the same is simply to show compassion for a group that definitely needs, that definitely needs it right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, and it, it came from a heartfelt place and, and I kind of, and I didn't want to blabber on. I just said, and I like to think that not every situation needs to be a zero sum game. Yeah. Like, and, cause I think a lot of people, uh, react in a way that's like, oh, but if this person's getting that, that means I'm getting fucked over here. Like, yeah. I just don't believe that to be true all the time. Sometimes it is true, but sometimes it's not true. Um, so anyway, I was like, and I was like, totally understand if you can't come to the show, but whatever. But anyway, best Max. Yeah. And and then he he wrote back and he's like, hey, just want to say thanks for writing me back. I was having a really bad day. I was I just really felt that nobody cares about Alberta, and I just needed to get that off my chest. But I appreciate your thoughtful response. And I think your show in Calgary is going to, you know, be a great show. And it was just like one of these moments where it's like, it, it didn't have to be like, oh, that's the enemy over there. And and I and I hope that now he has viewed the artist like ourselves. It's not somebody who hates him. It's just simply someone. We're just people who want to show compassion for this other group in this particularly trying time. Anyway, I just thought it was it was an interesting social experiment for me to see. I'm like, could I do the the Sarah Silverman thing? Just be like. What is the root of your frustration and anger? And can I get to know it a little? And really, he just wanted to vent for a second. And sometimes people just need to vent. And unfortunately, with Twitter, 
people vent and then just get and then it escalates in, in sort of negative ways. Right, but anyway, I right. just wanted. No, but then I appreciate your point. I, and I, and there's a lot going on in what you said. And and uh, I, I also there's a lot of intertwining issues there in terms of socio cultural. And historical issues and economic. There's so many. There's yeah. so 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 many. That's right. But I, all I was going to say, and I, I, I'm not. And there's an ecological collapse element to this as well. The fact that we're relying on. Well, I have relatives in Alberta too, and they would be incensed to know that I would have signed uh, a sure. document like the one that we both signed. Um, but there's an ecological collapse aspect to this too, where action needs to happen. Uh, you know, beyond the horrible indiscretions of this. Uh, this government action by the RCMP, like the, this is this is a way bigger issue than that, and and that's coming to the fore more and more each day in terms of our environment and our reliance on such uh, resources. Um, all this to say, I'll, all I was going to say is I have found the same thing as you. I think uh, when people send you an email or uh, rant at you on Twitter, you are dehumanized, and as soon as you acknowledge mm-hmm. it and write back or. Uh, I used to do that all the time. I almost always would respond to the hate mail before the the uh, you know compliment to to <laughs> yeah. say, "Hey, I'm sorry you feel that way." And almost I would say 95 percent of the time, the writer of the hate mail would be like, "Oh, thanks. I, I'm sorry. I didn't I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't realize that you would see this or something." And I'm like, "What? Yeah. Like you wrote to me or you? What are you talking about?" <laughs> so I there is this. Yeah, we're all dehumanized uh, online, and and when you send a, a you know a little volley back, uh, that humanizes the situation, and they that's what you're getting at there, and I think that's what Sarah Silverman was doing too. Like, like let's stop dealing with all of these issues conceptually and talk to people. And yeah, exactly, and, yeah. and and I agree. Like you know, it is so complicated, and the you know the the issues when it comes to you know, the environment, it's just like, that is obviously probably more important than anything. Cause if, <laughs> if the world's going to burn, none of us are going to be here anyway. So That's like, exactly right. Yeah. But, but, but I will also say it's like for like a Joe like me and a Joe in Alberta to be discussing, it's just like, <laughs> uh, like I, well, there's not much we can do. Like, I mean, there's, well, I mean, there's things I mean, we, that, in, in, in that conversation. Yeah. But the, this spe- not much, the fact that it's coming up in a conversation between a musician and a, a person in Alberta tells you how pressing these issues of course. are. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's, we, when I say there's, there's not much, we, we, there's many things we can do to, to lobby governments and stuff like for sure. Like, I think there's like, yeah. we, we as the people need to <laughs> address this to the people in charge yeah. and make sure that they know what the fuck that, that, that we care about it. Yeah. But when it comes to just like this thing about like indigenous protesters, it's just like, like, like I think it's also important that we, that we all try our best to see the humanity in each other, and Absolutely. then we can exactly. and we can move forward together, and we can band together, and make sure that you know people in power are doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you bringing this up because I was I was thinking we had to wrap up, and you were like, ah, oh, one last thing, and it was a huge thing. So I appreciate your, your yeah. No, I just wanted to talk about. It. I was just like, I just had never had that experience. I was like, ah, oh, you know, let's, let's uh, let me see how this goes because I like because I'm. I, I think like an optimistic person and I, I like to see, I see the goodness. I like to see the goodness in people. And I was like, I think that if I like address the person just like a human, they'll be like disarmed and yeah, and we can, we can make a connection. And I, 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 I was proved right. And I felt, I felt good about it. Yeah. Well, we, we talked about rally cry, this record that uh, is just out. Are there plans for more Arkell's music or I know you've got a lot of touring up, up ahead, but what's going on in terms of writing? 
Um, yeah, we're, I mean, we're always kind of hacking away at ideas, but for the next little bit, we're kind of full on tour mode. But yeah, I mean, again, just, I think as, uh, to bring it back to the beginning, just, you know, get us a deadline and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start working on shit. <laughs> <laughs> no planned releases of any, do any surprises coming up? Like, uh, uh, no, nothing. I mean, we're, uh, hand me downs is the next single and there's like, um, we're going to service up the, the, the version we did with Frank Turner an acoustic version. But for now that's, that's, that's the, the main thing we're, we're focusing on. Okay, cool. Now, if people want to learn more about Arkells, where would you send them on the uh, dehumanized internet? Yeah, Arkells Music is uh, Twitter and Instagram. So those are the two best spots. Okay, cool. And Max, is there a song from Rally Cry that uh, you would select for us to go out on right now? Uh, let's do Hand Me Downs. That's the first track. And, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, one of the good ones. What do you want to say about this song? Because it, it has a, like I, I alluded to the fact earlier that, um, you know, I feel like you're thinking of people in. Who, who are, you know, they feel disempowered by various uh, things. Hand Me Down seems to speak to that on some level. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about just the idea of um, how people have like kind of complicated feelings about where they're, uh, where they come from and their family history. And I think a lot of people have pride in their family, but also there's other sort of dark corners of everyone's family history that are kind of hard to reckon with. And I think if you come from an especially complicated family, it, it's, it's even harder. And so, yeah, it's this idea that like, I remember Shad actually once said in an interview, it's like, none of us chose to be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I love that so much. It was such a kind of profound statement. I was like, Oh yeah. And so and because of that, no one, no one, no one chose to be here. We need to be less hard on ourselves, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, it's like no one, like, <laughs> And no one chose to have a fucked up uncle or, to, you know, to be put up for adoption or to, you know, or to have a dad who's an alcoholic or any of these things. You're just born into these situations. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's sort of the spirit of the song. It's like, you know, from the, the color of your eyes to the clothes on your back, there ain't no shame in some hand me down. So whatever you, you were born into, like, you know, have no, there's no shame in it because you didn't choose to begin with. <laughs> I, I did want to ask you really quickly about one thing here that led mm-hmm. me to think that you were addressing economic disparity in, in various ways. And displacement, first of the month, gets you stressed out and moving trucks bring you right back. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating to me. I mean, that's... Yeah, I, well, I had, um, I had a friend who told me that like seeing moving trucks was is a triggering event because as a kid, they moved around a lot. Yeah. Um, and then also the first of the month for my my friends who didn't grow up with any money was always a really stressful time because like are are their parents going to make the bills you know and yeah, I have a few rent friends, is like, rent is due usually rent like rent is due yeah. yeah exactly so I was so I, I tried to kind of key in on uh, on s- smaller details that, uh, that that tell kind of a bigger story. That's so, a, it's that, a, that, a great turn of phrase, and I will say you know Max I I've known you some time I am really. Uh, for what it's worth, this is just coming from me, but I'm really marveling at your your writing. Uh, it's, ah, uh, it's it's really really uh, uh, excellent, and it's I can see it getting better and better as you go as well as you're thinking about things. And I I just want to say, for what it's worth, I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate. It. Well, I know you got great taste, so that that means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, from their latest album, Rally Cry. This is Arkells with Hand Me Downs. Max, thank you so much for this time, and best of luck with everything going forward. Yeah, cheers, Vish. Thanks so much. I can only guess what those brown eyes have seen 
If we're just a blank slate Mixed with a little bit of DNA And those weekend visits when you show up late When I feel helpless I see you smiling back at me Like every little thing is gonna be okay
Special thanks again to Max Kerman of Arkells for being on this, the 457th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and available on all iOS and Android platforms and other things as well. Spotify, YouTube, Audio Boom, it's all everywhere, I think. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and are looking for in any of those platforms, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative, or follow me directly at Vish Khanna. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, around the world at CFRU.ca, or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit Patreon.com slash Creative Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. There have been some uh, recent pledges, so thank you very much. To all of you who pledge to uh, keep the show going, it really does mean a lot, and it really does keep the show going. So please, uh, if you haven't already and would like to, go to patreon.com slash Control and make a flexible monthly donation. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my good friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use one of his songs. The rest is yet to come. To end this show each week, go to jimguthrie.org for more info about him. And thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you're new to the show, welcome. There are clearly 456 other episodes somewhere on the internet. So have a listen. I I think you might enjoy it. I'm proud of the show. And if you've been listening all this time, thank you. And uh, thank you for spreading the word about it, telling your friends to listen to it. Uh, That means a lot. All right. I have to go, but I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.